0: Hello, everybody. My name is Jamie Starkey, and you're listening to Global Pursuit. This podcast is being produced for the International Development Studies Program at the University of Montana. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire young people to contribute in tackling global challenges. Today we have guest Oren Tiberi. We're going to ask them a few questions and hopefully learn some things.
1: Yeah, thanks. Hi, everyone.
0: The first question for you today, what is your connection with the International Development Studies Program at the University of Montana?
1: I actually am an alum of the program. I was at University of Montana during my undergrad from 2005 to 2009. So during that time, I participated in the program and graduated with it. So a long time ago now.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. You're the first person that I've talked to that's actually an alum. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you are a monitoring and evaluation advisor at the Mozambique Ministry of Health's HIV and STI program. That's amazing. Through your work, what global issues do you deal with?
1: Yeah, from the perspective of me being in Mozambique, that in itself is, I guess, global. But when we're thinking about the two diseases that I work with mostly, STIs and, and HIV, a lot of a lot of the transmission risks and also the prevention measures that we're doing for HIV are centered around finding and testing and treating people, which, as they are communicable diseases, have a lot to do with people coming into the country and people leaving the country. So we actually, in southern Mozambique, which includes Maputo, which is the capital city, and then Eswatini, which is a small country next door, and south of West Pazulu-Natal, um, which is in South Africa, have some of the highest HIV prevalence in the world. At some point, I think a couple of years ago, it was up to 25 to 30% for some areas there. So when we're talking about that high of a percentage and that much transmission going on, it's really important to be able to have kind of a program that really addresses issues on both sides of a border, right? Because if we're testing and treating people here and making sure that people have undetectable viral load, which means they can't pass on HIV to another person here. That's not going to matter much if people go to South Africa for holidays and the chance of the tablet hooking up with someone or a risky encounter, the chance of a person getting HIV from that is quite high. If they're thirty percent or twenty percent prevalent, in the vision of the these diseases are passed so easily between people and borders don't really affect that. I think that it's a very global issue that I work with here in Mozambique.
0: Yeah, definitely. As your job title says, you know, it's pretty obvious to see what you're focusing on, but it's cool to see how that becomes a global issue with the transmission and testing across borders and all of those things that you're doing that are very important. Mm -hmm. You already kind of touched on this, that the prevalence of HIV and AIDS in South Africa is very high. Is there any other reason that you chose to go into this?
1: So I actually started working with HIV when I was in Missoula. So there is, I can't remember what the name of it is anymore, but there's a MSM support group that's run by David Herrera, I think. This is a long time ago, obviously. Um, But there's like a young gay men's task force that deals with HIV prevention in the state. So when I was attending University of Montana, I got really involved with them and worked with them on a few issues in Missoula for prevention and attended some of their retreats, which I kind of focus a lot on building confidence and how to negotiate sexual encounters and such. And so after that, I did Peace Corps and I did my master's in public health. And where I went, I went to Ecuador, which is in South America. And the city I was based in had a support group for HIV positive patients at the public hospital. And so I was part of my time spending at the hospital and part of my time spending at a school. And I ended up getting involved with a support group and like, Really saw how stigma and discrimination and how impactful a diagnosis is and was definitely even more in the past. And so got kind of motivated to work in sexual health. And from there, I just kind of continued on working in HIV or HIV related fields until I got here. I think it was kind of like something that was bred from the University of Montana and the and the great opportunities I had there. And then through kind of my master's and up until now in Mozambique.
0: That's really amazing. Sexual health is something that has kind of just been swept under the rug in the past, but it's still health and it's very important. That's great that you found, you know, this opportunity to help with this. Definitely, yeah. How do you think transnational collaborations can help to address these challenges? Yeah, so I think
1: as I kind of was talking about earlier, there's a lot of challenges with stigmatized, especially um, transmittable diseases, because and we're seeing this a lot with COVID, right, like Mozambique as a country was having maybe 100 to 150 cases a day up until the end of the year. And the end of the year is traditionally when many South Africans come here and there's a new variant in South Africa. There was and there still is a new variant in South Africa that's much more transmissible. So a lot of the influx, and I'm sure this is not the only reason, but a lot of influx of South Africans mixed with a lot of Mozambicans getting in large gatherings for a longer period of time made the the COVID cases here skyrocket in terms of Mozambique uh, numbers, which now it's 800 to 1,000 a day, um, which is still Uh, very low compared to Many, many other, many other countries, but here it feels like it's—I don't know—it feels like the pandemic is actually here for the first time. So when we think about something like HIV, which is even less visible and even less recognizable, I think, when transmission like that happens. So someone from South Africa, for example, flies to Mozambique and has unprotected sex or pays for a sex worker, and then that sex infects someone here, that sex worker, the partner that they hooked up with during that time, ends up hooking up with someone else or having another client. And that disease spreads in a much more undercover way than COVID because you don't have symptoms seven days after you get infected. You don't really know that you're infected until months or potentially years after the initial infection occurs. And so tracing that back to this transnational event is really difficult, but it is like a very, very common way that socially transmitted diseases spread. And so one of the programs I worked with here in Mozambique before moving to the ministry was PEPFAR, which is the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. And they help to support host country governments in their HIV and tuberculosis response. And so some of that, I think the transnational collaborations has been facilitated when I was working with PEPFAR, at least facilitated because there is a PEPFAR Presence in many of the South African countries. So, in Swatini, Lesotho, South Africa, Zambia, Botswana, Namibia, Malawi, Mozambique, <laughs> many, many more. And so, by having offices in all these different countries, a lot of knowledge is able to be shared between countries, as well as kind of just like best practices and some kind of collaboration. So, for example, one of the projects I did when I was in PEPFAR was looking at testing along the border with Malawi because there's a lot of testing, a lot of people on treatment. And a lot of that projection was a lot of thoughts around that was that people were coming from Malawi across the border to get treatment because it was easier here or less stigmatized here because people in the community didn't know. So then we were able to work with Malawi to kind of understand what was happening there. And they thought the same thing, that people came from Mozambique to there. So we didn't actually ever yeah. get to the bottom of it 100%, but um, <laughs> I think that there that potential is there for collaboration. And I'm sure that that exists in yeah. my current job as well, but I've only been there for five months. So I'm still learning the ropes a bit.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, this definitely seems like something that could use some collaboration like with you said testing across borders too like it won't really help if just one nation is working hard to stop the spread of HIV it needs to be a collective goal so there will probably be mostly young people listening to this how do you think college students can help to solve these issues
1: That's also a good question. I do think that like one of my frustrations going through my undergrad at University of Montana, as well as my master's at at Pitt, is there is sometimes a lack of meaningful engagement in, in like these decision-making processes, right? Like when I was at at University of Montana, I think that the the engagement at, like it's, you're able to be engaged at the local level uh, in Missoula and maybe at the state level in Montana, but getting beyond that, it's really difficult to have a meaningful impact. And so I think that the like the way that I would suggest one of the ways I guess that I think can have an impact is work with some organizations like the IDS or I guess it's not organization but some programs with like the IDS studies program they can really get you kind of knowledge about what is happening in the world and really get your speed on how things are portrayed and how they are implemented in the field and so you kind of get the theoretical knowledge on that side but then also working with organizations or volunteering at organizations that work with international organizations in some aspects. So like like whether that be refugees or, or I can't remember the name of the organization, but there's some that do international work based in Missoula that I, I used to know. And so working with those, you get a little bit more hands-on experience. And though it is like a very slow process at first, I think my first three or four jobs out of University of Montana were like somewhat related to global health, but very underpaid and maybe not exactly like the decision-making power that I had wished for. I think that they allowed me to get the experience I needed to be in a more impactful position. So I think as a student, it can be frustrating and it can be challenging, I think, to be involved in a global sphere especially from I went to University of Pittsburgh and University of Montana are like not big East Coast cities or West Coast cities that have international flights out of them every day that have connections already with all these different universities or or institutions around the world. But regardless of that, like I was able to create a global health focused career, as well as anyone that went to other potentially more brand name schools for global health
0: studies. That's really impressive. I was just talking with the last person that joined me on this was Chris Hislop and he's a director of Montana World Affairs Council and I didn't even know that that was a thing in Montana. I mean it makes sense but everybody in Montana, I mean this is a generalization but it's very common here for people to try and kind of isolate themselves from the rest of the world and not deal with the rest of the world's issues. It's like we're in our little bubble and we're happy with that. That's the feeling that I get anyway sometimes in Montana I totally get what you mean with at UM sometimes it seems like it can be harder to develop a global mindset but I'm really glad that there is programs like this for sure Last question. What is your advice for college students who want to prepare themselves for career tracks that allow them to contribute in seeking solutions to global challenges?
1: I think one of the things that I felt helped me as an undergrad and as a graduate student was look at the people in positions that I want to have and kind of see how their career trajectory went. And one of the things that you realize once you've done that a little bit is everyone has a very, very different career trajectory. And, and like, someone may be working in Missoula for 20 years and then at the drop of a hat decide that they want to start applying for jobs abroad and then work abroad for the next 20 years. Some people start from 18 and by the time they're 25 already like owning their own company or starting an orphanage or doing whatever people do that are 25 um, abroad. So it's I think having a a very open view is good as a student and then also kind of understanding what opportunities are out there. So for example, a lot of my career is thanks to a program I participated in Peace Corps and I did Global Health Corps, which is another volunteerish program. I also did the Global Health Fellows Program at, the, at CDC. So I did three fellowships trying to get started with all of this. And I think what, by looking at other people's career trajectories, you can kind of get ideas of what you want to apply for and think about timelines and kind of plan things along that line. So that I think is, it is a concrete step, but not really something you can do and change in the moment. What I recommend and what I usually tell people that are asking me about my work is I think having a a hard skill is is really, really important, especially coming out of undergrad, or even grad school. So one of the things that really made a difference in my career was that I did Peace Corps and I was able during that time to conduct a survey of health behaviors at the university I was working at. And so that like included IRB approval, piloting survey tools, collecting data, doing analysis, writing a report at the end. And that kind of set me apart from a lot of the people that like everyone was very passionate and very good student and like, very committed to working in global health, or whatever they were studying at that time. But if you have just theoretical knowledge, like if it's just been classes and classes and like, yes, I can do Stata because I took it in a class. So yes, I can write a report because I did a class about it. That obviously is really, really important and really fundamental. But practicing that in like a real world environment is also a really, really important thing and something I look for as well when I'm looking through resumes or reading applications. My, my suggestion, I guess, would be just to try and get out there and, and practice the things that you're learning about at the university. And even if that's not in a global sphere, I think that being able to say that you did this certain thing in Sheesh organization will go really far on your resume and doing your interviews.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's some really great advice. Some things to keep in mind as well as some solid things to do. And I feel like I have to mention, you're going to be in our webinar series. This podcast will probably come out after the first webinar, but yours is March 18th. So if anybody is listening to this and wants to hear more about Oren's pathway from UM to where he is now, just check out our Instagram and we'll have information about that webinar series but thank you so much for that advice I have loved chatting with you today and I really hope that this will help some other young people to think about ways to get their foot in the door in international issues and helping to solve those and just develop a global mindset again thank you so much for chatting with me today thank you you as
1: well